Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 112. And they were at the bottom of a ramp now, with an ice cream shop in front of them. It was nominally open, but the girl washing down the surfaces had a closed look on her face. So they walked past it into the pizzeria cafeteria, empty but for an elderly black man, wearing a bright check suit and canary yellow gloves. He was a small man, the kind of little old man who looked as if the passing of the years had shrunk him, eating an enormous, many-scooped ice cream sundae, drinking a supersized mug of coffee. That was all one sentence. Neil, for Christ's sake, man. A black cigarillo was burning in the ashtray in front of him. Three coffees, said Wednesday to Shadow. He went to the restroom. Shadow bought the coffees and took them over to Chernobog, who was sitting with the old black man and was smoking a cigarette surreptitiously as if he were afraid of being caught. The other man, happily toying with his sundae, mostly ignored his cigarillo, but as Shadow approached, he picked it up and hailed deeply and blew two smoke rings, first one large one, then another, smaller one, which he passed neatly through the first, and he grinned as if he were astonishingly pleased with himself. Shadow, this is Mr. Nancy, said Chernobog. The old man got to his feet and thrust out his yellow-gloved right hand. Good to meet you, he said with a dazzling smile. I know who you must be. You're working for the old one-eyed bastard, aren't you? There was a faint twang in his voice, a hint of patois that might have been West Indian. I work for Mr. Wednesday, said Shadow. Yes, please sit down. Chernobog inhaled on his cigarette. I think he pronounced gloomily that our kind, we like the cigarettes so much because they remind us of the offerings that once they burned for us, the smoke rising up as they sought our approval or our favor. They never gave me nothing like that, said Nancy. Best I could hope for was a pile of fruit to eat, maybe curry goat, something slow and cold and tall to drink, and a big old high-titty woman to keep me company. He grinned white teeth and winked at Shadow. These days, said Chernobog, his expression unchanged, we have nothing. And yes, I did wink when it said winked at Shadow, and that is our page. For an audience of me. So here, we finally meet Mr. Nancy, probably the best character, the best secondary character in the novel. He's also a erstwhile star of the companion novel Anansi Boys, although to call him the star of that one is is probably giving him way too much credit. He's also a secondary character in there. He's uh, described on the page as wearing a bright check suit, which is apparently another way to refer to plaid or tartan. In Mr. Nancy's case, I always imagined him wearing a bright green suit, especially because he's got those canary yellow gloves, and I, I see in my head that contrast, green and yellow, and it works for me really well. Nancy blows a couple of smoke rings, one smaller one through a larger one, and this has echoes back to Technical Boy's trick of breathing smoke out of his mouth and inhaling it back through his nostrils, but we don't get the same judgment on Nancy as we did on Technical Boy. I don't know if that's because... Nancy makes it look much more elegant and not so practiced, but the thing about Mr. Nancy is that he does just about everything with panache and style, so he's obviously cooler than the Technical Boy, and we're definitely being set up to root for him over Technical Boy. Mr. Nancy is the American representation of the Akan trickster god Anansi. Most often, Anansi takes the form of a spider, and in the mythology is the god who holds the stories of in most of the ancient tales he's featured in. He's clever, much like the Jack stories we described earlier, and most of the time he makes out as the victor in the tales. He's also got some pretty solid inspirations to the Br'er Rabbit tales from Song of the South, which many of you may not be familiar with because they're effectively banned because they're, well, horrifyingly racist. 
Here, Mr. Nancy speaks with uh, Patois, which is basically just a... Well, I didn't write down. Did I seriously not write down what Patois was? I think I thought I would know. I don't know why I thought I would know. Uh, Patois, the dialect of a common people of a region, differing in various respects from the standard language of the rest of the country. So, best example would be Louisiana Creole, which is nominally English, but there's a lot of French and there's... There's a lot of words specific to the language as well. So that is probably the closest thing that would represent a patois in America. Although I'm certain I'm wrong about that. Well, I mean Boston accent, dear God. Here he speaks with a Caribbean patois, though, which indicates that he was brought over on slave ships to islands like Jamaica and the West Indies, and from there to America proper. We don't get a direct origin story within the novel, or I don't even know if we get one within Anansi Boys. It's been too long since I've read Anansi Boys, too. Maybe I'll do that one next. No. He doesn't get that direct origin in the book, but the TV series, because it's a TV series and is going to go on for seasons, gives him one of the most badass introductions for a character that I have remember seeing on television. And it's also a good way of showcasing how duplicitous the gods can be and how they spread from area to area. Of course, that's not here or there, at least on the page. On the page, Nancy is loud, both in outfit and manner, friendly and seemingly easygoing. He's got some good moments here and on the next page, and I'm gonna he's going to be my problematic fave for the novel, I think. He's ridiculously sexist here and on the next page, and it would be entirely unbearable, I think, if it weren't for Neil's writing carrying him very well when he does appear in the novel. Chernobog continues to be a bit more dour and mournful than we've seen Wednesday to be. When we last met him, he was certainly concerned with the lack of belief in sacrifice, hence his set of terms for going for uh, having the checkers game with Shadow. But he seems even more so here, and he ends the page by claiming they have nothing, much like he did it back on page 73. I also think it's interesting that Nancy references never getting any burned sacrifices I'm trying to think if that comes up later, but maybe in Africa when they worshipped him they didn't burn sacrifices, or maybe in America. I don't know. I'm not 100% certain which point of his life he's referencing here. I always thought that burning sacrifices was a pretty common method, but that's also a pretty Western-centric and Abrahamically-centered view of the world. So if you have more knowledge of this than I do, please pass it on. I've been getting lots of great little updates from friend of the podcast Tema on Twitter with YouTube videos and other things about episodes that where I've been discussing the Statue of Liberty or way back to Mummy Brown a few weeks ago, which by far the most fascinating thing I've discovered so far doing this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with me and correct me or be kind to me, you can do that. You can get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.